I think that's the thing is as the leader, we got to be willing to be secure enough with our ideas to have an open dialogue about what it'll take to actually execute it. Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we talk about how you and your organization can take your next step in your leadership journey. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we really do believe your church can grow, your church should grow, and your personal growth as a leader really does make a difference. As always, or just about always, but most of the time, I'm here with my co-host, Logan. Logan, how's it going today? Hello, everyone. Are Specifically, my Nana. My Nana listens every week, y'all. Shout does out to really? my Nana. Yes. That's awesome. Hey, Nana. What's up, Nana? I made Nana? it. Nana, yeah, N-O-N-N-A. N-O-N-N-A. All right, what's up, Nana? So <laughs> glad you listen. Hi. So glad you listen. So I'm just going to be honest. I am not sure what my transition into this topic for today is supposed to be. Good luck with this one. I know, right? So basically, I'm just going to jump in. We're talking about schizophrenia today. Yes, we are, but not in the, in the manner that some people think we are. Just want to go ahead and put out the disclaimer because... Yes. Everything is offensive to everybody. If you or someone you know or love is suffering from schizophrenia, we are not making fun of We're you. We're not cracking on We're not trying to shame you. We're not trying to hurt you. And if you suffer deep wounds because of this... Stop call, listening now. <laughs> yeah, or call Logan. She'd love to talk to you about or it. Or don't. Really what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the traits of a schizophrenic leader yep. and how not to become one. Yeah, so schizophrenic leadership is something that I learned about after somebody pointed out to me several years ago that I was a schizophrenic leader. And and this is... This they is, said it? You They you, called you one? Well, no. I mean, they didn't say those words. I, those are... That's kind of like my title. But what would happen would be, um, I noticed I would go into a room to a leadership meeting and I would cast a vision. I'd be like, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And everybody in the in the room gets fired up about it. And then we would leave. Well, as a leader, I started feeling the pressure to come in with a brand new big idea that was going to innovate and change the world like every week. So every week I'm coming in, I got a brand new idea. I got brand new things we're going to do. And I began to notice over a period of a few weeks that the group around the table actually became less and less excited. So I'm getting more excited. They're getting less excited. Six weeks in um, to this approach, I remember a guy... And he just kind of raised his hand. He goes, hey, Perry, here's, here's the deal. In the past six weeks, you've given us six different projects. And I want to support and encourage any way I can. But what I'm going to need you to do is prioritize those projects for us so we should know what we're really supposed to be excited about, spending time and money on, and what was just like, a good idea that you hope might work. And and he said it in a very respectful way. It was not um, disrespectful at all. But I realized that I had a I had an incredible ability to start something. Like I'm a great starter, but I wasn't a great sustainer. Because I thought, I'll go in, I announce it, work starts happening on it, and then I lose sight of the process, 
And I come back in not taking into consideration that everybody's still trying to work to make that idea come to fruition. So that's what I came up with when it came to schizophrenic leadership. That's interesting you mentioned how it started because you liked the uh, momentum behind a new idea. I mean, that's a pressure on a leader to come up with new ideas. Yeah, that is a, a pressure. And we carry that and we feel that whether you're in church world our business world, there's a lot of times we walk into a meeting, whether it's a group meeting or a meeting with a colleague, and, and we're thinking, oh, I've got to have the next great idea, especially, especially, Logan, I'll tell you one of the most dangerous things in the world um, is success, because if we had a great idea at some point and it was successful, then the next idea has to be better than that one or or we somehow feel like we're a failure. So so we put that pressure. I know I put that pressure on myself so many times. That's so and so are you a schizophrenic leader, Perry? Yes and no. I have schizophrenic tendencies. Tendencies. Just for our listeners, he has yes circled on his note <laughs> sheet. So Yeah, but I've thought about it a little bit more. <laughs> so if your natural tendency is to start something but not to finish what you started, how are you supposed to fight that tendency? Or are you supposed to fight it? You know, maybe do you put certain executors on staff? Like what how do you navigate that? Yeah, I think the the two words that I wrote down when I was looking at the notes are disciplined execution. And so when you go into a room with with a plan, with an idea, with a vision, whatever you want to call it, one of the things you've got to have is participation um, in the idea around the table. Because as a leader, you not only need to cast vision, but you also need to face reality. So let's say I come into a room and I say, hey, we're going to do project X and and I really do believe Project X is going to change the world or change our church or change our business or change you know the culture or whatever and that vision is cast and anybody got any questions okay the second question and this is what I didn't ask for years is what's it going to take to pull off mm-hmm. Project X and so and what's the timeline it, yeah the timeline how long is it going to take and what's it going to cost and how many um, weeks are we, oh, not, it's not weeks, it's months. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that because that has to happen. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. So as a leader, casting that vision is huge, but then being able to take the feedback and, and, and this is the other thing as a leader is kind of being able to discern if the feedback is real or the feedback is fake because they don't want to do it. You, right. That's a, that's a tough place to be in. Or that's they want to milk it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a that's such a tough place to be in because then you find you're negotiating, and then you're water down the vision. Oh my right. gosh! But maybe it's not watering it down. Maybe they're real, and so that really is that that discernment in the moment that you have to learn how to lean into. And in core staffing, right? Oh, absolutely. You got to make sure that you have people around you in that meeting that you know. They're going to tell you the truth because here's the deal. If, if you're around the table and I catch somebody um, exaggerating a timeline or exaggerating finances over a long period of time, eventually that person finds themselves not in the meeting anymore or maybe not on the leadership team because um, I want honesty, but I want honesty, period. Like, right. like don't, don't buy yourself an extra week. Now, here's the deal. If you tell me, hey, I can have this project done in three weeks, and you get in the middle of it, and it's just, it's just going to take four. 
you know, updates are necessary. You know, if you're having those right. weekly meetings, you're having those updates, and that's great. But don't say, oh, it's going to take seven when you really know it's going to take like three and a half. Right, exactly. So I have a question for people listening who might be an employee of a schizophrenic leader. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to know what projects to tackle and what projects to put on the back burner if your boss brings you literally a million and one ideas? Here's the thing. As an employee, you can't know because you can't read his or her mind. And so if you really want to serve the organization well, you go to your boss and you sit down with him or her in the room and you just say, listen, this is the current list of projects that you specifically told me that I need to work on. Um, it would it would help me to serve you and this organization better if you would actually prioritize these for me. Like, show me what's the most important to you all the way down to the least important so I can know how to spend my time. Now, as a leader, if um, an employee... Um, staff member comes to me and does that, number one, I'm fired up in a good right. way because I'm like, oh my gosh, this person actually cares. And number two, that can help refocus me. Um, now, if you're working for a bad leader, they'll just say, well, just do it all or whatever. And that's, that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother time. But as, um, as an employee, that's the best thing you can do because it's going to help you do a better job and it's going to help your leader actually lead you better. So dialing it back to the perspective of a leader, what are the downfalls of being a schizophrenic leader? I mean, apart from the obvious, it's confusing and inefficient. What, what do you think the biggest downfall is? I think there's two, actually. First is uncertainty. Um, you create a culture of uncertainty over an extended period of time because they're not sure what they're supposed to be working, working on or what they're supposed to be focused on. The second, I think, is loss of momentum. Because um, if you come into the room every week with the next best idea that's going to change the world and be the most incredible thing in the world, eventually, after six weeks, people just don't listen to you anymore. Which they, is ironic because that's what you said initially got you in that realm of schizophrenic leadership is building the momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it has the adverse effect. It's going to lose momentum. Yes, because after a while, people can't get excited because they're like, oh, dear God, he's excited. That means I'm going to have to work 80 hours this week and I'm not <laughs> going to get a day off. That's that's what that means. And so it's it creates a culture of uncertainty and it causes the church or the organization to lose momentum. So what about this? Are there any benefits of this type of personality? I mean, we're cracking on it, but I mean, innovation is innovation. Am I right? Yeah, I think the benefit, one of the benefits that I've seen is I really do feel like I'm an idea machine. Um, I I feel like definitely I feel like I'm an idea machine. Now, when I say idea machine, I'm not necessarily saying good idea machine. I've thrown some bad ones out there, but I think because I'm an idea generator, for for the most part, I stay pretty excited mm-hmm. about what I'm doing. And so I think that's positive because it keeps the leader fired up. And so speed of the leader equals speed of the team. And so for me, I think that's the positive is if I'm fired up and motivated and moving forward, that allows everybody that I serve with to um, – to have the potential to be fired up and moving forward as well. I love when you say, we're just throwing noodles up against the wall to see what sticks. We do. We're just throwing You say stu- that all the time in our office. Because we do. We do. And some stuff does stick and some stuff is like, 
oh, that was a that was a bad idea. That's the other thing is if you have a bad idea, just call it what it is. Don't try to dress it up. Don't say, oh, that probably just wasn't from the Lord. Well, no, it. I, well, okay, probably wasn't, but it was it was a bad idea. So just call it what it is, you know. Yeah, I, we definitely have really strong open communication in our office. So I know how you prioritize projects, but for the people listening. Tell them a little bit about the language that you use to show that specific emphasis on projects that we do here. Yeah, I think the key word is is you got to have a plan. And so one of the things I think I'll do, whether it's um, Second Chance or the growth company, is I will put out an idea or a plan, but then you guys get to have input on what it looks like to execute the plan. Right. I learned a long time ago that I don't have to feel the pressure of coming up with the planning strategy and the execution strategy. I come up with, as a leader, hey, this is the direction we're going. Um, how are we going to get there? And what do you think we should do? And what's the best course of action to take? And can we have it done in a month? Oh, we can't have it done in a month? We ought to take two months? Oh, it'll only take two weeks? I didn't know that. Right. Like, I don't, you, don't, you don't know until you ask. And so I think that's the thing is as the leader, we got to be willing to be secure enough with our ideas to have an open dialogue about what it'll take to actually execute it. And going back to what you meant about the financial, how much is it going to cost? You say all the time, all the time, let me handle the financial pressure of whatever it is we're doing. Yes. Don't feel like you have to sugarcoat something like that. Yeah. If something's going to cost, you know, $90, tell me it's going to cost $90. Don't, don't tell me it's going to cost 70 and then hit me with a $20 surprise. Right. I mean, I I want to feel that weight as the leader because I also know that we got three or four other projects in the hopper and this is how much they cost. And so either we can or we can't afford, but honesty is essential right. for success right. in, 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 in that role. So what are three practical things that a leader can do if they think, that there's, they're listening to this and they're like, oh crap, that's me. You know, what, what can they do if they're schizophrenic leaders? Well, first of all is, um, uh, and I got this idea from pastor Stephen Furtick. He's got a file, like an Evernote file. And I think, I think he said he had something like a thousand notes or 2000 notes in there. And I, I do the same thing. Like I have an idea book and I, and I keep it on Evernote. If I have an idea or a thought, I'll write it down because I can get really excited about something in the moment. And then I, so I write it down. If I circle back around in 24 or 48 hours and then excitement has built, then I know I need to do something with it. And if the excitement has waned, I know it probably wasn't a great idea. It's probably just that I had an extra shot of espresso in my coffee. That <laughs> espresso morning. people. Espresso, not expresso. That drives me crazy. I know, right? Like Walmart's. It's Walmart. There's only one Mart. I might be. I might have done Walmart okay. before. I'm not well, you're lie. from you're from Rens, the area, so that's acceptable. So that's the that's Go the Canes. first thing. The second thing is actually having somebody on staff, whether it's uh, an executive uh, pastor or an assistant or whatever role you need, that helps you organize. Hey, this is what we've got planned. This is when we have it to to be executed. This is what we need from you. Um, that's, by the way, that's one of the best questions a leader can ask is, Hey, what do you need from me in order to pull off this project? And so that, that's the second thing. And third, honestly, is, and I had to do this several times is get some outside help. 
Um, have mm-hmm. somebody come in that's good with planning and strategy because I think this is what I think, and I, I believe strongly in this. In fact, this is how I'm operating both the church and the business that I'm a part of is I believe, you know, years ago, Logan, you won't remember this because you were like two, but years ago, they, churches used to talk about having um, 10 to 15 to 20 year strategies. Um, and that was very effective in the 80s and the 90s. But then this thing came along called the internet that blew society up. I think in a mostly positive way, we always hear about the negative stuff, but I'm thankful for email. Mm-hmm. Oh God, how great is that, right? And so so because of, you know, because of the way that the world has changed, everything's changing so fast that, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't even have things like Instagram and Snapchat. I and know, the archaic ages. Man. I know, right? I mean, it, I mean, we had like MySpace. I didn't even have oh, a MySpace page. Oh, man, MySpace. Did you have a, did you have a MySpace? I did. Okay. I did. I, don't, I didn't even know what it was. We did a series on it, but I didn't even know what it was. So anyway, um... What was I saying? See, there's my schizophrenia kicking in. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so bringing in outside help. And so one of the things that I do is I encourage churches and church leaders to work in six, uh, six to 12-month intervals. That's now, right. you can have a three-year overall plan, but it's a 30,000-foot view plan, but work mm-hmm. in six to 12-month intervals. That's one of the things I'm doing right now is putting together that six to 12-month interval because the world can change so much in mm-hmm. six months. In six months, we could have a brand new app on our phones that does X. Right. And, oh, my gosh, it's the most incredible thing in the world, and that's going to affect church. And, and it that's took gonna, away X. And it, yeah, and yeah. it took away X. And so how do, we, how do we navigate through that? So one of the things I love to do, and you've been in the room when we've done this, is literally sit down and help churches work through that six- to 12-month strategy it's going to help them have focused execution and actually be able to grow. And we do that with our on-sites. If you're interested in, in doing an on-site, you can go to IWantMyChurchToGrow.com and click the schedule a call button up in the right-hand corner, and Logan will talk to you about schizophrenia, aliens. Maybe aliens. Um, Who knows? And your church, because at the end of the day, it really, those six to twelve months, and, and there's some there's some things we call the circle of success. Like you got to figure out certain elements of the the strategy. But once you put this strategy in place, I'm telling you, it's like rocket fuel. It's a rocket ship that'll really help your church go from where it is to where it needs to be. Not only does it work for church, Logan, we've seen it work for businesses. We have as well, and it's been really cool just to kind of sit back. And watch that process. Did something just move in this room? I think I swore I felt something crawl on my foot. I'm not gonna room. lie. <laughs> I mean, I'm and just, we played it off this whole podcast, but I can't. No, no, I can't no, hold no, it no, in no, the, we're, we're gonna keep. We're gonna keep this podcast rolling. Um, <laughs> we're gonna keep this podcast. It's the aliens, man. I do have a gun in my office, and I'm. Oh lord. I'm sorry. I just. I thought I heard something. I felt something. I'm telling you. I, okay, it's getting weird here at the piano. I don't know. There might be something in the room. Hopefully, this podcast makes it to iTunes. If not, I love you, Nana. I love you, Nana. <laughs> Seriously, thank you guys for joining in the podcast. We're going to go try to find the creature in the room, and hopefully, we'll be back next week for another episode. Thank you for listening to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We hope you had a blast spending time with us. For more thoughts on leadership, visit Perry's blog at perrynoble.com. Whoa, whoa, whoa.